So Amos 7, verses 7 through 17. This is what the Lord showed me. Behold, the Lord was standing beside the wall built with a plumb line. A plumb line, you know, a line that would make, help make the, line, uh, the, the, the wall straight and upright. With a, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And Amos said, it almost sounds sarcastic. A plumb line? Then the Lord said, Behold, I'm setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. Remember, I always said, plumb line was used to make a wall straight and upright. And I will never again pass by them. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste, and I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with a sword. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, said to Jeroboam, the king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you. Remember, Amos wasn't well liked. Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. In other words, you can't take what he's judged against you. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah. Eat bread there and prophecy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel. In other words, get out of here. For it is the king's sanctuary and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor a prophet's son. Bethel, by the way, you heard it earlier, and this was the home of prophets. But he goes, nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman. In other words, I had a day job and a dresser of sycamore trees. In other words, he pruned them so that they would fruit well. But the Lord took me from following the flock. In other words, they called those people like me a second career pastor. And the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You say, Do not prophesy against Israel and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, This is rough. Your wife shall be a prostitute in the city. And your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword and your land shall be divided up with a measuring line. Remember, to see if it's straight and upright. You yourself shall die in an unclean land and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. Definitely, he was, didn't care if he was popular or not. He had a word to deliver from the Lord. Next is our reading from Luke 10. Luke 10. And it's Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. So, a theological expert in the law of Moses, called here simply a lawyer, and that was meant to be a derogatory statement, by the way. My wife is a lawyer. So, Seek to show up Jesus by asking him, how can one earn eternal life? How can one learn eternal life? Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. The parable of the good Samaritan. And behold, a lawyer, a lawyer stood up to put him into the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to the lawyer, 
what is written in the law? In other words, what have you studied? How do you read it? In other words, what is your interpretation, lawyer? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. He was quoting the Shema, which they, the Jews prayed every day. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But the lawyer desired to justify himself. In other words, he couldn't shut up. So he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor, Jesus? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Going down meant it was downhill. And he fell among the robbers and, and, and who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But, that's a divine but, by the way, but, a Samaritan. Anytime you hear the word but in the New Testament or Old Testament, listen up. But, a Samaritan as he journeyed. In other words, as he was minding his own business, came to where he was and when he saw that man, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring it on oil and wine. Wine was a disinfectant back then too. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, Take care of this man. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. In other words, whatever it takes to take care of this man, I'll meet that cost. Which of these three, asked Jesus, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. title of my sermon this morning is And Your Neighbor. And the question this morning, as I keep repeating, is who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Neighbors. As I told you during uh, the time I set aside for the children, neighbors are, are interesting. Fourth of July. Fourth of July around my parts up there in Butler is, is loud and it's wild. And it goes on. It starts like on July 3rd and goes on into July 5th. As soon as it starts to get dark, the fireworks start. It was just like that last year, too. I remember sitting in my, on my back deck watching my neighbors just launch them off. And I, and I, had, I had fireworks myself. But, you know, one, thing, one sight I remember was my next-door neighbor. If I'm looking out the back of my house, he's on my left, okay? 
And uh, I remember the, the small crowd he had last year, and then I noticed the, the collection this year. Well, on July 4th at some time, uh, it seemed early to me, he stopped. He stopped firing fireworks, and everybody went inside. And then I said, well, Christy, it must be over. I said, let's go out and fire ours off. And we did. Done. We get ready to go inside and we look over in the yard and he's, he's starting a bonfire. And then his, his son's just out there by himself, sitting out there by himself, staring, watching the woods burn. And then his dad comes out and sits beside him. I could tell they were talking. They're far enough. The yards are big enough that I couldn't tell what they were saying, but they were, they were kind of visiting with each other. But then there, were, there wasn't much going on. And then a friend joined them from the house, and that was it. The three of them were out there. And about 10.30 or 11 o'clock, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there was this great commotion. And so they started lighting off rockets, and they started lighting off mortars, and they started, I mean, it was like I was at, you know, Kennywood or something in my backyard. And it was wild, wasn't it? You came outside and you just stood there like, I can't believe what we're watching. Well, when they fired off their last one, I yelled over to them. I said, hey, Jason. I said, that was fun. That was good. It's like 1130 at night. I'm sure my neighbors didn't think it was fun or good. <laughs> but I, I enjoy my neighbors. And sometimes you've got to know your neighbor to know what's going on. And you know where I'm going. Last year, his young wife was with him. This year, she's dead. She died suddenly from COVID. He was shocked and devastated. His son was too. She was out there firing fireworks with him last year. And I feel certain that break was so they could collect themselves and come back out and celebrate her. Because they were, they were by themselves making a commotion. And when they were finished, they put their arms around each other and went inside. To me, I knew what my neighbors were doing. I didn't call the police. I didn't get upset with them. Because I think I would have done the same thing if I would lost my wife like that. Or lost my, my mother like that. It's amazing what happens when you see your neighbors in a different light. And that's what I hope happens this morning. I hope, you ha I hope it happens that you get the chance to see your neighbors in a different light. And that's why I ask, who is your neighbor? Jesus asked the question. He picked on the lawyer, just kind of like I was doing moments ago. I know they're, I know they're buttons. I know they're soft spots. So. But uh, the thing is, is that, you know, Jesus hit them right there between the eyes. You know, the good Samaritan showed mercy, was a good neighbor. And the question begged, who is your neighbor? You know, because we all have had neighbors we don't like. We've all had neighbors. You live long enough, you wouldn't have a neighbor you don't like. You have a neighbor that encroaches on your property line. You have a neighbor that leaves this fireworks trash in your backyard. Yeah. You have a neighbor that, you know, burns his floodlights all night long. You have a neighbor that likes to have loud music. 
You have a neighbor that has a dog that won't stop barking. You know, we've all had something like that. But then we've also had those neighbors we just absolutely love. We would cut their lawn when they're on vacation. They would do the same for us. It, you never had to ask. They just did it. We've had neighbors that, you know, when, the, when our, we were down, they'd drop off a meal, and we'd do the same thing. There's just neighbors sometimes. You don't even have to be introduced to them to like them. We make a choice. We make a choice when we deal with our neighbors. But long before that, we make a significant choice. We make a choice, we think, about where we want to have neighbors. I have owned so many houses in my life, and I still go through the same, same formula. Before I go into a house, I drive around the house. I drive up and down the road. I even stop people walking in the road. I walk them, and I'll ask them, I'll go, hey, what's it like to live here? Or I might just chat them up. I like your dog. Because what I'm doing, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's it like here. I'm sure you've done something like that, but maybe you did it electronically, you know, checked out the schools, how the schools are rated. Checked out to see where a hospital might be. For young families, they, you know, they, they want to know where the OBGYN is. They want to know where the birthing hospital is. They've got all kinds of things to consider. Sometimes you, you go around and you look to see, well, what, I, I, this house is being offered at this price. Is this comparable to what sits around it? You know, sometimes we don't want to be the most expensive house on the road. Conveniently, if you can live in it, it's nice to have the cheapest house on the road. But the thing is, is that we think we choose our neighbors. Jesus has another story coming for you. We think we choose our neighbors. Notice in the story who chose to give mercy, who chose to be kind. That man laying in the street had no voice. The Samaritan chose to give mercy. And in Jesus' vernacular, the Samaritan chose to be his neighbor. We don't pick our neighbors. Our neighbors pick us. Because we might be so smug to think that, you know, that, that exercise we did, oh no, nobody else would look at my yard and think they didn't want to live next to me. But uh, of course it does. People choose to be your neighbor. And you rarely have any input into it. You rarely. Unless you happen to be out on the road when they're looking for the house. But our neighbors choose us. Our neighbors pick me, pick you. And there's, a good, there's good news in that. There's a phenomenal news in that. Because you know who really wants to be your neighbor? There you go. Mr. Rogers. <laughs> I heard you. I heard you. Won't you be my neighbor? Do you notice the way he asked the question? Won't you be my neighbor? In other words, won't you choose to be my neighbor? So that old Presbyterian minister, he got it too. We don't choose our neighbors. Our neighbors choose us. 
And the really good news about that is guess who wants to... And I, Diane, hold back. Just, just sit tight for a moment. You answered my last question. Look at her. Don't pout. <laughs> Jesus wants to be your neighbor. In whatever way that means. Holy Spirit wants to be your neighbor. God wants to be your neighbor. How, however you believe. But God wants to be your neighbor. God shows mercy to you and me. And that's the connection. Those who show mercy to you are your neighbor. Wherever they may be in your life. They may be a co-worker. They may be somebody that you uh, work with. They may, I mean, I go to school with. The, the, the thing is, is that it's who shows you mercy is your neighbor. Who, the person who shows you mercy is your neighbor. I don't care if they live across the country. I don't care if they speak another language. It's the person who shows you mercy. That's the person who is your neighbor. As Mr. Rogers said, won't you be? Won't you be? Won't you be? My neighbor. We can all use a little mercy these days. Let us pray. Dear Lord, in these crazy times where we draw lines by the way we vote, or we draw lines by the, the size or the, the value of our home, or we draw lines by what school we go to or what church we go to, in the end, it really comes down to who shows mercy. Because it can be a fancy house. It can be a nice school. It could be a well-paying job. doesn't mean the people are our neighbor. Care to be our neighbor. Want to be our neighbor. And sometimes we don't want to be their neighbor. But in fact, Jesus has a simple call. Because there are definitely times, Lord, there are times where we need that mercy. We need that neighbor. Help us all. Help us all to be our neighbor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I gave that message years ago. I was invited by some American Indians to come to the reservation to, um, to do the revival for them. And I was surrounded by American Indians. And there are reservations in Virginia that just go on for miles and miles. But it was a wonderful feeling to be in that room and be the, the only European in that room and be able to preach to them about being a neighbor. And they got it. And we can get it. Because, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's these times, these times where, where we, like I said earlier, we just want to draw lines. One day, we're going to beg for a big eraser to make those lines go away. And may it be soon. May it be soon.